there's no right or wrong way to live life or what careers to chase. And it's like, you have to have that principle in, in place is live without compromise, make sacrifices for what you love. And you hope that that all, it's either gonna work or it's not, but at least you're not gonna be second guessing yourself all the time. What I love about this story and what I love about these kinds of stories are when folks take what they've learned out on adventures in in, in other parts of the world, other parts of the country, and bring it back home to share in their own backyard and to help cultivate um, community. And Andrew is doing that with backcountry skiing in New Hampshire, near where he grew up. He spent time out west, spent time in Alaska doing, you know, these just epic routes, unbelievable mountains, and, and eventually came back home to grow this amazing community that's called Ski the Whites. And I really encourage you to check them out, especially if you're in that area, because it, it, it's such a cool community. It's all about getting folks outdoors, getting folks folks in the backcountry of the White Mountains of New Hampshire. But they also do a running store, bike store, and uh, Andrew is into a lot of different sports, but he's definitely like a pillar of this community and started it from scratch. Uh, But the reason we're having him on today, this is actually an interview from my other show, Without Compromise, through my day job at Athletic Brewing. Um, At Athletic, I don't know if you know this or not, but 2% of all our sales uh, of our beer, our non-alcoholic craft beer, gets put in a fund, and then we donate it to different causes that are helping folks get outdoors um, through either trail maintenance or trail work. Mostly it's stuff around repairing trails and and really just trail work. Um, But this winter, with the influx of backcountry skiers, we wanted to donate a big portion of that money to backcountry education, backcountry awareness, and safety. So one of the organizations that we're donating money to is Granite Backcountry Alliance, uh, which Andrew is a board member of, and that is based up in the Northeast as well. But uh, just so you know, Athletic Brewing is is committed $100,000 to backcountry skiing safety uh, and resources to help people really stay safe in the um, wilderness this winter just because of uh, avalanche danger. A lot of people are going to be going out there since ski resorts are closed down. And uh, if you're one of those people, I just encourage you, Please be safe. Um, please, you know, know what you're doing. You know, go to these avalanche information centers. Go online. Learn as much as you can. Make sure you are, uh, you know, staying safe, taking classes, uh, watch YouTube videos. Do everything you can to be prepared because it's a it's a totally different beast than than uh, when there's no snow on these mountains. Um, so we're going to hear Andrew's story all about that. But I just wanted to make sure I connected all those dots of who he is, why he's on the show. Um, we might mention athletic brewing and without compromise a few times in here, so that's why. Uh, but anyway, and also I wanted to say thanks for everyone that's reached out recently. We've gotten a lot of emails with the influx of, I guess, new listeners just in my inbox, and it's just been awesome to see your feedback. 
see uh, see y'all being inspired by the show. And we're gonna we're gonna try to do a listener focused episode here soon. That was uh, the idea from one of our listeners. So thank you for that idea, and thanks for reaching out, everybody. If you want to reach out, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Um, yeah, or Mason at adventuresportspodcast.com. That's my personal. So all right, that's enough of me blabbering. Here's the episode. Uh, Andrew Drummond, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mason. Uh, it's great to chat with you. You know, I always ask this first, where are you coming from today and, wh- and where is home? Uh, I am coming from Jackson, New Hampshire, relatively new home. I grew up in Conway. I've uh, had stints in Maine and San Diego, Baja, back to Madison, New Hampshire, and worked my way up to up to Jackson as of this last April, made a move here. So I'm in this location above a ski shop I just started, or a a new retail shop I started. I've had a ski shop for the past few years, but this is a new location in Jackson and trying to make it all work. That's a tough ask some days, I'm sure. (laughs) It's a lot going on. I, I, I don't, hasn't, it's been a lot of my own doing. We've started, I started this out, you know, age 34, reset, no, no job, no money. What do you do? If you've got the opportunity to start from scratch, I, uh, I just, I spent, end up spending a lot of time in the mountains and, and then next thing you know, the trajectory pushed me into running a ski shop and, and getting into events and spending a lot of time in the mountains. And and now you, you've been skiing, I would assume from pretty young did did you start out skiing where you grew up like in where you are now or did it take going somewhere else no it was here this was um as early as i can remember grew up skiing i'm the youngest of four and i i've skied through various programs whether it's a weekend program a school program um you know and doing everything from alpine ski racing ski patrol and then getting into backcountry skiing was the latest endeavor. And, and that's, that's what I'm really passionate and excited about because it, it combines the travel in the mountains, but you get to ski down and, um, it's really been a game changer for me. And it, and it seems to be on the rise. Do you think it's just folks wanting to get away from the resorts or just having more of an, like an authentic outdoor experience? Um, it's kind of forced on us this year, but, but what do you think that has been because of? It's a it's a good question. We when I got into this in two thousand early, you know, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, um, I felt like the gear started to change and get better. And the you know, if we just break down backcountry, how to get into the backcountry, you can do it through telemark skiing, so you never lock the heel down. You can do it through alpine touring, and that's when you lock the heel down. You can do it through split boarding. Uh, there's I'm sure there's a few other creative creative ways to get out there, but the Alpine touring gear, and that's what I focus in. It's just gotten better every year. And it was, I'd say like the past five years, there've been dramatic improvements in it. You see it trickle into just some of the regular Alpine skiing technology, lighter boots, more comfort, better walk mode. And, uh, so, so you've got that going on. And then, um, of course you've got a increased, the user group starts to grow and now you create more skiable terrain you see it more there's events focusing on backcountry and so the awareness is up 
and when I started get started my shop in 2016, it it was tiny. It was like I mean that not my shop my shop was tiny, but the market was really really small. And say it was like half a percent, you know, it doubled. It's like the everyone says it's the quickest growing category. Well, it doesn't take much. Like if you double a quarter of a percent of the market, like it's still not a lot. It's still a small group, but it's been fun to watch it rise every year because if you've got the gear, that's good. And then you have places to go and you've got people showcasing it. It's only natural that uh, things are going to get better. But I think it really, if the gear wasn't good and wasn't comfortable, then I don't think you'd see a lot of people out there on it. You, you, you said you kind of had stints all over the place. Was there a place that you, you started to experiment with backcountry skiing elsewhere? And did you, you know, want to keep exploring maybe out west or wherever you were? And then what eventually brought you back to where you started, back home? It was uh, it was definitely a roundabout way. I think I got bored of ski, skiing at the resorts like a lot of people do. It's You ski a few laps on the lift or the groomers and... Uh, it might get skied off and especially on the East coast where the storms are, can be infrequent and you, you're very reliant on man-made snow. So if you're just out there just doing laps, often it's cold and I don't know, it just got, it got stagnant. And in college I got into surfing and that just put me on a different trajectory. All of a sudden it's a new sport and I'm excited about, and I'm a beginner again. And, uh, so I went and I chased waves. I did a semester abroad in Australia and, uh, used my biology degree from college, I went out to San Diego and I got my dream job. I thought that was it. So I'm living out in San Diego surfing all the time, but I would find time to ski still like a couple weeks out of the year. And, you know, that'd be like either coming here, a trip, trip out West. Um, but my brother moved to Alaska and I think that was sort of, that was a pivotal moment for me because, uh, going from the beach up to Alaska and seeing the big mountains and how you could recreate, especially with the modern alpine touring gear i was just talking about next thing you know we're able to access huts spend days seeking out these steeper lines and powder and it was just that was it like there was no no coming back after that so as soon as i did that next thing you know i'm and i was on all all sorts of borrowed gear and i didn't really know what was what it was just what my brother could find for me and then I just did some research, got some skis, got bindings, had my own gear, and I was still living in San Diego, and I'd make trips back east for the next few years and try to ski some of the stuff around here, and that was really, that planted the seed. I knew I was going to move back from San Diego to here in the Mount Washington Valley, but I just didn't know when, and so when I did move back, I again, I didn't have a job or anything, so I just spent a ton of time in the mountains did everything I could, you know, this wasn't just alpine, alpine touring. I was snowshoe running. I was, uh, doing some winter triathlons, Nordic skiing, and really just gave myself the opportunity to try all these different outdoor sports. But alpine touring was the one that like really grabbed a hold of me. Were you looking forward to that transition back home or was that something or apprehensive about what do you, what, what was it for you? I thought that, you know, when I was in San Diego that I just never had roots. I never felt and I, I never felt like that was where I was going to settle down. And when I'd visit family back here in the Northeast, I knew I was going to move back here. I just didn't know if I was going to be on the ocean or in the mountains. And what happened, I just found myself gravitating towards the mountains when I'd come back here because the surf was so fickle. And I just knew I could always get out into the mountains 
didn't matter what the conditions were winter, summer, there's, there's gear for everything. And then that first winter back, I didn't spend a ton of time skiing and Alpine touring. You know, I was trying all these different activities. And then the springtime I was up in, uh, up in Tuckerman ravine and it just, I think it really clicked. I, I, I got the endurance bug to some degree that year in 2014. And, uh, so I just started chasing these goals, small incremental goals. And that really fueled the fire was, well, if I can go and use this, build this engine and go and apply it to the mountains and do big days and cover terrain and get this sensation of exploring, being the feeling, feeling like you're the first to ski some of these areas because no one ever tells you about them. You're just hunting them and everything's been, everything's pretty much been skied in some, some fashion or another, but, um, that feeling that new to you, new to me feeling, uh, was really what made everything so exciting. And, and then the next winter it was this full on. So that 2015, 16 was really dedicated to Alpine touring. And then I'd say like 2017, I really hit my stride and felt like I started to figure it all out. And I started to really track the weather patterns and different zones in the, the presidentials, all these different mountain there's there's like nine or so mountain ranges that compose the the white mountains and just sort of just making my own adventures and that's sort of that thing you know i told you like i didn't have a job and it was really hard i didn't know what i didn't really have much direction but this sounded like the it felt like the right thing to do it was like go spend time in the mountains and then while this was all going on i was trying to uh trying to sell some skis so I was skiing on Alpine touring skis from Fisher. My friend that worked there said, you should, Hey, you should open up a dealer account and start selling skis. And I didn't really get it. Didn't, didn't really know that he was, I thought I was going to be like a Alpine touring rep for Fisher, but he's like, no, do your own thing, start your own brand. And next thing you know, I had dealer agreements with a few different brands that I was just using that I thought would be a good fit for a small store. So I opened an online store sold stuff out of my basement, my truck, and didn't really do much. It was really more focused on me getting out, becoming an expert in the terrain. And then the whole business side of things, uh, was, was later that came on later, but you know, it wouldn't happen. I don't think it would be as, um, considered a success if I hadn't really done my homework and put all that time in so that when customers or someone wants to find information out about backcountry skiing in, in new England, you know, they come, they can come to me and I can give them an honest answer and I can tell them why I carry the gear I carry and, um, hopefully get them the best experience possible. Gosh, I mean, so, so many different things going on. So, so you feel like you're, you were kind of leading, not leading, but you were going on uncharted territory by backcountry. You're skiing some of these areas that there wasn't a whole lot of information on. Now, were you, starting to share that information? Like, were you trying to make it easier for others? And then eventually that kind of got turned into a retail. What, what did you have a plan or was it just kind of yeah. where the information took you? And as people asked, you got the word out there. So the, I guess the, the real, the real, like the moment where things I think in my life changed back here was when, um, summer 2015, I just I've been hiking in the mountains a lot. And Scott Jarek came to do, was coming through during his Appalachian uh, trail, trail speed record 
he's coming through the white mountains and then, you know, he had Timmy O'Neill crewing him and, and Timmy reached out to the valley saying in the valley saying who would be good, a good person to help crew Scott Jurek through this section. And Scott Jurek's a legend. I mean, I, I remember I was living in San Diego, reading some of his, his books, you know, about trail running and I've read born to run. And, and so it was pretty surreal to, to get asked to go and crew him through the hundred miles that, that go through the white mountains of the Appalachian trail. And, and I hung out, I, I did those three days. And, and once I got through to the other side, I was, you know, it was like the last day of school where everyone leaves and you're like, well, what's next? It was kind of depressing. So Scott's doing his adventure and that really pushed me to think about, well, what do I want? And get introspective on life and like what's important to me. And, and so then I start setting my own goals and some of that was like the next summer I did the unsupported, I unsupported 48, 4,000 footers in New Hampshire over under, did that in under six days. And that was a first for me, like this big endurance effort. And then doing all the ski touring things I was, um, so I was pushed from an athletic standpoint but then like you were saying about sharing information about the white mountains was that i was taking a lot of photographs and making videos just basic things that i thought would be fun to share because the big picture of new england and the white mountains is that not many people are sharing the photos in the way that i thought would really represent them well and that goes for brand like big brands um, that have market groups here in Boston and Portland, Maine in New York. And everything you see is out, out West or out in Europe and the Alps or wherever the, the usually where the brand headquarters are and wherever they do right, their marketing right. trips. And I was like, wait, well, why aren't we showcasing our terrain or making relatable content for our user group? Because that's, what's going to get them excited to get in the mountains. Cause they, it's all in a drive, you know, a day's drive or half a day's drive. They can access the same stuff that I'm, I'm in. And I think that I wanted to build this community out where it wasn't just everything incredibly secretive. I've, of course, like you still want that sense of adventure, but you just want to get, you know, you want to plant the seed to get someone to think differently about what they can do and how they can recreate. And, um, yeah, the more I think about it is like, why do we protect these places, these areas of designated wilderness and why are they so important? And you can really showcase that through media. So you start building up this knowledge and looking for a way to share it, and you realize gear is a big part of this. Um, how how much of a process was it for you to say, I'm going to open up a store or I'm going to move into retail? Because that, you know, for anyone that has taken an idea or something they loved and turned it into either a business or try to turn it into a source of income, what you quickly run into there's a lot of things you have to do that aren't the thing you enjoy doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's a lot of time that you're not skiing when you're trying to start something like that. How did you handle that? What was that process like for you? Well, I'm still processing that right now. I'm trying, <laughs> right. I'm trying to figure that out because when, um, when I didn't have much work and I wasn't selling many skis, I had all this time to go out and play. And then when I look back and reflect back on that, that's why I'm so busy now selling skis or selling, selling some of the gears because of that sort of that marketing 
that I was able to, that I didn't know I was doing, but I was doing, you know, getting on social media and getting on YouTube and um, just getting photos out there on Facebook. And I didn't realize it, you know, never realized how big your reach is, but it just grows, grows over time. And um, so this last winter was just really busy. And I knew that I couldn't just live in this tiny, tiny shop in a, a ski lodge that's not open for almost three months out of the, the skiable winter and has low visibility. And so this place came up in Jackson that I didn't know how I was going to make it work, but I was like, I need to look into this place. And I didn't think it was going to work. And so I looked at it in May of 2019 and then come December of 2019, I knew I had to just put an offer in and try to make it work. And part of that was renting out some of it to a ski and bike mechanic and another carpenter. Another part of that was renting space out to my girlfriend who runs a physical went out on our own now as a physical therapist and then have a retail shop live here and then we started a coffee roasting company so there's a lot of moving pieces that i just i didn't want to you know i didn't want to put myself under too much water to make this happen and just knowing how variable and i don't know like one bad winter you know you hear about this ruining um, a, a ski shop or just a ski resort and i just wanted to protect myself in a way that I could make this happen and long story short it's like this was we, we moved in here in april and we've just been we got into bikes and i've always been trail running and trying to sell trail running stuff so getting more partnerships with other brands and i don't know it's been on as strange of a year as it's been we've just been growing because of a, f a bunch of different factors but the growth in the outdoor sector but just reputation and doing what we do really well and and building that community so people want to support us and um yeah so i ended up like with this slow start to the winter we've we've had here is like i still have a lot of projects that i want to do and trying to get a system in place where i can take off and i don't have to be in the shop as much as um i probably have been in the past so that's a that's going to be a constant struggle moving forward but it's part of it and i never intended to open a retail shop it's just it was you know, you identify needs in the market. And if there's no one else selling the product that you're using, then, you know, we went from doing mostly rentals in, and then now having a retail space, a retail presence with this old, it was an art gallery where our space is. And then, and it's fun. Like I, I do enjoy at the core of it, it's retail, but it's, it's a little nicer than that because you are changing people's lives the way that they, something that the ski culture is so deep here in the Northeast. And then to have some people coming from all different backgrounds of skiing, whether it's Nordic, Alpine, um, just general hikers, people that are outdoor enthusiasts, and then introducing them to something that is so groundbreaking, like to get on a light boot that feels like a hiking boot and then a lightweight ski and it enables them to just be so comfortable. Yeah. It's just been, it's been amazing. Like that part of it is, is a blast. And um, so I just, tr I try to keep that, um, uh, yeah, I try to keep that in my mind when those hard days, when you are just up late working on emails or some of the basic stuff, but I always try to showcase and make a point that like any marketing I do or an excuse for marketing would be to go out like today was that we're out skiing with, um, a couple employees from the shop and just go out and have fun and take some photos and, um, share that with people that are hungry to see that sort of thing. Tying it all together. That, that is awesome. So, you know, we're all, all businesses 
you know, almost a year later are, are very aware of what, how the pandemic has changed the business and it's still unsure how it will change it long term. But for you and with your community and being so um, dependent on kind of that organic growth of, of getting together, doing little events, having a shop open, how has the pandemic changed business for you and how has it changed backcountry um, and how do you think it's going to be moving forward? It's hard. It's hard to say. Like the growth and this. So we were talking earlier about the backcountry category just doubling every year, and so that's. I knew that was coming. I knew that it's. It was going to be bigger. I helped co-found a nonprofit called Granite Backcountry Alliance, which creates these glade projects or areas of skiable terrain in the White Mountains that maybe they were an old ski zone and they've, they're just overgrown now. And, and now we have a volunteer user group that comes in in the summertime and, and maintains it, clears it out and proposes new projects, places like the white mountains or with a land trust or that's on private property. And, and so now you've got this expansion, essentially adding another lane to the highway. And as the user group grows, so the demand grows, but then you also have the word of mouth about what I'm doing or the, the community events and want to just come try it out. And then you've got, yeah, the COVID push where the people just, they don't know the uncertainty. They're like, well, this is what, this was the, this is what I needed to try out what you'd call skinning or uphilling at their local resort to, to get a touring set up or, or at least rent it last spring. And so we saw this coming, we saw it with the bikes and yeah, this year's been crazy. It's um, way more volume than I anticipated. I think we were probably, everything feels like it's scaled five times. And of course, with that, there's some hiccups and bottlenecking with gear and trying to make everyone happy. And But I've been just like really fortunate to have the right people gravitate to what I'm doing. I've got, um, you know, like really talented and smart uh, employees that are helping out and helping me navigate all this. So I've, it doesn't feel like it's all on my shoulders anymore. I've got, I've got, I feel like the tools in place to, to carry me through the, the demand. And I don't know, we'll see what happens out of it. I think the backcountry is going to be busier, but it's been growing every year. And I've seen that. And the trailheads are, we saw it this summer where the parking was full. And part of that, I'm not too worried about that. It's, it's going to be manageable. I think there's, I've got some responsibility to do some outreach and education. And that's something that I've been working on with the local avalanche center to do a weekly podcast with them to make sure we can get week information out before the weekend crowds come up. But midweek, you can still go up in the mountains and it's going to be quiet. Like I, we got a seven thirty start today and didn't really see anyone. And then we, we went up to the summit of Mount Washington. It's a Monday. And, and on the weekend, you're going to see a ton of people at the the popular places, but if you just go a little bit further off the beaten path, and if that's what you're you're looking for, you're going to find it. You're going to find that solitude and isolation. And chances are, if you do come across someone else way far off, uh, eight miles further than you probably normally go, then chances are you're going to want to talk to that person and meet that person. They could become a future uh, backcountry partner. You just never know. And I think um, that's one thing I just my positive spin on the growth of the the community is finding other people to recreate with and go out there with. But of course there is a, a threshold of too many people and clogging up the trail network. But I, I think that's just going to push um, more of these backcountry zones to be developed. And then also just people to explore a little further. 
to find uh, their little slice of wilderness. So what is your hope for the future uh, of backcountry in the Northeast? What, what do you, what, what, what do need, people need to keep in mind this, this year, this winter right now? And also what, what is your hope in, in the years to come? Hmm. Yeah, I don't really think much beyond uh, one week at a time. Right <laughs> no, it's, I, I just want, of course, the biggest thing is safety and safety of others. And it, it that comes with, like, as I was saying before, education and, and experience, you need both. You can't just read a book and be ready to go. And you can't just go out there um, a lot and expect to know everything. It's like, you, you need to learn, learn both. And I just hope that people, um, you know, one thing is we sell a lot of safety gear and I, I see a lot of people out there without the, that gear we sell. And it's like, well, you can rent it if you can't afford it. And it's just some basic things like crampons. And when you start getting into the steeper stuff, but just realizing like when you're off the, you're out of the resort, you're, it's just, everything's a lot slower for medical response. And it's one of those things that I learned quickly when I, my brother scolded me in Alaska, when I just wanted to jump off everything possible but he's like you can't do that this isn't a ski movie you don't have a, a helicopter right there just to extract you if something goes wrong and that's mm-hmm. a that's a hard lesson to learn unless it happens to you i think being young and excited about skiing is something that it's natural and so you need mentorship <laughs> and that often happens through finding the right guide to take you out but so safety safety is like just a it's the big thing and there's a big campaign called ski kind that uh a friend Tyler Ray that started Granite Backcountry Alliance. I was just talking about, but this whole ski kind, I think it's skikind.org, but it's just the principles of skiing and, and be nice to other people. It's uh, we're all out there to have a good time and it, that can get lost. Is that it can be someone's very first time that could be having a, a problem with their gear or something, something isn't working right. We'll stop and help them out. And just again, remind like remind yourself that this is a community that you're part of whether you like it or not, but it's sort of your responsibility to help others. Um, so I just want to see the growth of the sport in this activity. I want to see it just uh, develop the right way, the, the way that like I feel like I've been doing with my my shop and my work is just, you know, one step at a time and take it slow. And and then I think everyone's going to be able to see, you know, our, our terrain is world-class here in the White Mountains. We've got some of the best skiing, I think, out of anywhere I've been and traveled and I've, I've traveled to the major spots. Um, it's a little more fickle, but it, it makes it that much more worthwhile when you get it, get it good. And a sleeper day like today, I wouldn't trade that for anything. We, we hiked all the way up to the summit, skied, skied a little bit off the summit cone and then went down into Huntington ravine and got some of the best snow we've had all season. And it's like, that's the stuff I want to showcase. That's the stuff I care about. And that's what, keeps me excited and passionate day after day. Um, and through some of those days we were talking about with the retail grind. Can you touch on what Granite Backcountry Alliance is? That, that if people don't know, we're partnering this year with y'all. Just we're going to, you know, make a contribution uh, through our Two for the Trails program. And we just saw, you know, with the the rise of backcountry this year and probably the the pretty ill preparedness of a lot of people, um, safety is going to be a huge issue. So we pivoted our whole two for the trail program to just be about backcountry safety and awareness for the winter before transitioning back into trails, uh, in the summertime. And so back, uh, back, uh, granite backcountry was one of those organizations we wanted to, wanted to highlight. Yeah, that's huge. And thanks so much. I mean, the amount of money and resources it takes to run a nonprofit 
like this. It, it was eye-opening. And it was very, this was in 2016, Tyler Ray reached out to me about his uh, his mission statement, about what he wanted Granite Backcountry to be. And it, he's like, we have this, we have this incredible, this incredible terrain here in New Hampshire and Western Maine. And, and we've seen what's happened in Vermont with uh, some of their glades and their projects in the green, in the green mountain um, national forest. And uh, so here we are in our, our terrain in, in the white mountains, and we're trying to get um, something going. And, and Tyler Ray really spearheaded this and made this, this whole not this, nonprofit he invited me he's like you should join this along with a lot of a few other people to join create a, a board of directors and really just saw his vision come to life and i was just there support for events and whatever he needed we i put together the website but the idea is that we have this tree density problem right where it's not 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 everything spaced out as it as it should be or as it could be for skiing and it's really not doing any damage to the ecosystem when you do trim stuff that's uh, a certain diameter or clean out some of the falling falling trees and brush but anyways create all these different zones that you can go to and this is really important for the safety perspective when the avalanche danger is high it's like where do you go and so to be able to let people find other ways to recreate safely and create these these areas has been a really astounding success and this is I don't know. We're going to year four or five with this, and um, we have projects in the pipeline and maintaining other projects. But we've just seen it. We've seen the trailheads super busy, and um, it's just reflective of the the growth and the user group. Um, it's a great way again to meet a, a bunch of like minded individuals that share the same passion for the outdoors. And uh, if if you're looking to get involved, and this is a classic question, is how do I how do I get into backcountry? It's like well, join granite backcountry alliance i mean there's a lot like i was saying there's a lot that goes into it to build these parking lots to get the tools to get all the volunteers organized to go out and get these projects approved flagged meet with all the landowners or the land managers and then you glade them and then you sort of go through this trial period make sure everything works and then maintain them and so it's not like you can just set it and forget it we're doing trail signs and um, kiosks and then just general other, you know, the whole ski kind campaign came out of this. And, uh, we partner with a larger group called winter wildlands Alliance. And yeah, there's just so much that's going on with this one nonprofit. And so to have two for the trails support it. And it's, it's exciting because it's going to help just get more projects off the ground and make everyone happier. You know, we're going to have more fun terrain to ski in. There's stuff happening here in Jackson. That's very exciting as well. That's in the pipeline. And, um, that's right out the back door for me and uh, being the what I call the gateway to the White Mountains here in Jackson it's uh, there's so much there's so much good terrain up here and it's just gonna keep growing so I just want to make sure that there's places for people to go where they don't they can get that experience that drew me into this sport and this activity uh, in the first place we love folks just being champions of of their home of where they are what they're excited about man i'd love to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and we can uh we can wrap it up from there okay sounds good yeah i know we've we've been talking about you know backcountry skiing and all that and retail shops but i want to know what are you most curious right now about outside outside of skiing man um you know there's uh 
trail running is my other big thing and I do a little bit of biking, but I got, I started home roasting coffee. I worked on these boats, oil exploration boats as a marine mammal observer working for the government to implement the mitigation measures to document the efforts of, of these boats that are searching for oil below the ocean floor use, using like acoustics and, uh, it wasn't my dream job at all, but it was part of like, you know, I had, to, I was, I felt like I was working for the, the good, the good guys trying to make sure that they were playing by the rules anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd go out and I'd work offshore for five weeks at a time, upwards of five weeks at a time all over the world, Africa, Vietnam, India, South America, some projects in the Gulf of Mexico. And so I'd just be gone and I love coffee and I would start roasting my own coffee out there offshore you know, took a, I'd usually just bring coffee and then maybe bring a French press and a grinder. But then I just started bringing green beans. I met this guy. And so I had this real love for coffee when it, this was back in 2008, maybe 2008, 2009. And, and then I started roasting my own. And then when we got this space here in Jackson, I got a loan for the plate for the building, but then I also inquired about a loan for a coffee roaster and it got approved. So once I found out that I had the funding to buy a commercial coffee roaster it was it's been full-on coffee here uh for since august and that's been a really really fun project partnering with different distributors and picking different varieties making blends and having this flexing these creative muscles that i haven't been able to use in quite some time and i think making outstanding coffee has been that's been a real source of uh I don't know, satisfaction outside of skiing. So what would you say your proudest achievement is outside of maybe the store and skiing? Anything outside of that? God, I don't know. I've been so hyper-focused on, yeah, I've just been so hyper-focused on the ski thing. And it used to be about me. It used to be my ego as an athlete. And I just, it didn't take long to realize that it was so much bigger than me. It didn't, this wasn't, the Andrew Drummond show, this was about the community and building the brand. And I think it was like the doing these Friday night light events at black mountain where, you know, 20 people showed up the first week, if that, and you're like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're all here for a good time. And then just to watch that grow slowly over time. And, you know, at some point you just start, stop chasing numbers, but to see it really like to see how other people's lives have changed because of something that you introduced them to like that, that's super powerful and way more meaningful than anything I did for myself. Um, so I'm super, I'm very proud of, very proud of that. And I think that that's something that again, will be a con- continue to be a driving force in, in what I do day to day. So to wrap this all up, uh, last question is what does it mean to you to live without compromise? That's, I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what I've been doing. I feel like, um, it took it. And I think it like, there's no right or wrong way to live life or what careers to chase and what business moves to do. It's just like what feels right. And it's like, you have to have that principle in in place is live without compromise, make, you know, make sacrifices for what you love. And you hope that that all it's either going to work or it's not, but at least you're not going to be second guessing yourself all the time about what could have happened. And, you know, if the ski stuff never, never worked out, then it never would have worked out, but that's fine. You have to be okay with that. And that's, um, 
I think that's a very true statement across the board for most people, or at least they should think that way. It's like if there's something, and if you've got this itch to scratch, then scratch it, figure that out, find means to make it happen. Um, Tiptoe into it, go all in, it doesn't matter. It's just like I was very lucky to have a supportive partner throughout all this that paid the rent and took care of groceries and stuff while I figured this out. And there was a lot of doubt. But it was like, yeah, I was living without compromise. I knew that this was something that was very special to me. And, and it just provided that motivation every day was go outside, go catch a sunrise, catch a sunset, get some photos, hike a new trail, um, do these link ups, think creatively about the outdoors. And then the rest will take care of itself. And it did. And I was very fortunate to have... Uh, the support and the timing and the community and you can call it luck and you can call it opportunity and skill but it is what it is and uh so it's just yeah it's like you got to try and you're not going to win everything there's stuff that i'm sure i've failed at and i've dnf'd and all these other small personal failures but there's so much bigger stuff to come out of it uh when you do try all right. Well, I, I won't let I won't keep you. You got like a million things you do, so <laughs> I'll let you get back to it. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Mason. All right. See you, Andrew. All right. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>